morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. This is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning and you are with Lyle and Gary. Gary, welcome oh, to the show. How are you going? Going great. Gary, if I could just get you move a little bit closer to that microphone and face straight into it. Just a big welcome to Gary this morning. Gary is joining us from South Australia. We're super excited to have him as a part of the show. Gary is... Uh, Gary, you're planning on starting something similar in South Australia, is that right? Yeah, that's right. Down uh, early in the new year, we're going to be doing a drive time program. We have been hanging out for a drive show here on Faith FM for like ever. We have even uh, here bounced around a whole bunch of different ideas as to like how could we get a drive show going. And now South Australia, huge shout out to South Australia this morning. South Australia is actually going to uh, actually going to be doing it. Yeah, really looking forward to it. Actually, Lyle, I think this is going to be a wonderful time. Uh, we're going to be able to spend together. It's only going to be one hour long, but every evening from about March next year, we uh, we, we kick off. So uh, please, uh, I, I hope your listeners uh, are also willing to join us in uh, in South Oz. Absolutely, and uh, of course, uh, I guess our team and your team are kind of be, going to kind of be like partners. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So I, we'll... I I hope your listeners and and my listeners actually uh, pick uh, share time together. Fantastic. Awesome. Gary, what can you just, uh, what, what, are you, what are you thankful for this morning? We always share what we're thankful for here. Maybe you can do that on the drive show too. Yeah, and indeed, indeed. We're, I'm actually up here because I'm wanting to pick up some of the wonderful ideas that, uh, that you guys are actually involved in at the right now. Yeah, what am I thankful for? I'm thankful for my family. You know, right now I, uh, I've just been up to, uh, to, to Alsonville because we're in the process of moving uh, my, my father-in-law uh, from Alsonville to Adelaide to come and live with us. But, you know, I'm so thankful for my family. I've got three children and uh, I just really appreciate the, uh, the children that I've got, the, uh, uh, the wife that I have. Uh, family uh, is really what makes life uh, worth living. That's probably one of the best things to be thankful for right there. Oh, yeah. Um, of course, you only get to be thankful for, for one of those things once. But uh, let's just run, it, run us through the uh, run us through the weather. You've, you've used up your best one already. So there you go. You'll have to come up with some creative ones for next time. I know anyway. that. I know. I realise that. Yeah. This is a reminder. You're listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. This is the Downing family. Jesus is coming soon. Sometimes are here filling men's hearts with fear. Freedom we all hold dear. Now is that stake? Humbling your heart to God saves from the chastening rod. Seek the way pilgrims trod. Christians away. Jesus is coming soon, morning or Shall rise, righteous be innocent. 
Welcome back, everybody. That was the Downing family with Jesus is coming soon here on Faith FM. And, of course, we've got Gary Hodgkin joining us in the studio this morning. And we have come time for the first clue of the first quiz of the week. What have you got for us there, Gary? Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, Lyle, uh, what book am I? This, uh, this question's being directed at you. Um, a quote. But it's the spirit of the man, it is the spirit in a man, the breath of the Almighty that gives him understanding. What book am I? Where did that come from? Come on, Lyle, you're a Bible, you're a Bible scholar. <laughs> I have no idea where that one comes from. Readers, listeners, come on in and see if you can uh, share, share your knowledge with, uh, uh, with Lyle. Some of you may like to go to Google. Yeah, you, you might do that. You might do that. Okay, so double prizes are available right now because I have not yet figured out the answer to the quiz. Uh, give us a call right now, 1-800-324-843 or text us on 0491-064-669. Our first prize today for the, uh, for the quiz, if you can get the right answer, is a Bible um, with Mark Finley Helps. So this is uh, it's black. It's hardcover. It's New King James version. Um, it's got a uh, whole series of Bible study helps. Uh, Harmony of the Gospels. A yearly Bible reading plan. 
and you can't give a much better prize away than a copy of the Bible. So we're giving a copy of the Bible away this morning as a prize, and there will be a second prize that we will throw in if you can figure out the answer to this one before I can figure it out. I'm going to do some cogitating on this one during the next song break. Um, so far, all I've got is which testament it's in, but I have to narrow that down a bit. A bit. Which book am I? Okay, so for some positively different news this morning, I would short. I I thought I would share with you. Uh, let me see here. There was a really cool story. Where did it go? A uh, story about a net man by the name of Aleem Chowdhury. So definite Indian name there, Gary. Definite Indian name. Yep, and he of course, well, he not of course, but he lives in uh, San Antonio, Texas. He operates a deli there. Last year, he put up a big red post box outside of his little deli uh, where children could post letters to Santa. Wow. Just as a kind of a fun thing to do in the community. You know, just to, as you do at Christmas time, just to share a bit of a, a Christmas spirit. And then he noticed that actually there were kids who started using it. And they started writing letters and putting them in the mailbox. And then so he started to get all of these letters. And, his, and, and he was like, well, what do I do with this? Because, you know, most kids, when they write their letter to Santa, they don't actually expect to get an answer to it. Mm. They just sort of wait for Christmas morning and see if anything, anything nice turns up under the tree, whatever it might be. And he thought, you know what? We need to spend, send a, you know, share a bit of uh, Christmas cheer around San Antonio, Texas. And so he started replying to those letters. So last year, he replied, he personally replied to over 400 letters to Santa. What a wonderful ministry. <laughs> Not a bad effort right there, right? Just, just bringing joy to the community, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And it's such a wonderful thing to be able to do that, uh, to be able to, to encourage people and to be able to say, hey, uh, I'm listening to you. Yes, yes, indeed. Absolutely. So that's one story that, um, that really caught my attention. Um, another one is, is an interesting piece of, uh, it's, it's kind of a cross between a story and research. Um, and where did I put that one? Here it is. Um, and this is coming out of the prison chaplaincy service in the United States. And they've found that inmates who have life sentences, so mm-hmm. these are inmates who have um, been imprisoned with never to be released on their file. You know, these are, these are guys that are never going to go up before a parole board. They have actually found that this particular group have the greatest commitment out of any other group within the prison system to spiritual transformation. Mm. I found that really interesting because mm. I would think, you know, if you've got... If you've got, you know, never to be released on your file, you must be a pretty hardcore criminal. Yeah, they're starting to they're starting to ask some of the really big questions in life, aren't they? That's right. And one of the things that they're putting this down to is the total freedom that these guys have from distractions. Mm. So, for instance, if you're in there for a couple of years, your distractions kind of never go away. Mm. Your life outside of prison never really goes away. Your contact with family and friends Mm. and relatives never goes away. Your plans for the future never go away. And so a lot of people are in there for short periods of time. You know, it really doesn't have that much of an effect on their spirituality um, and and their spiritual life. But when they're in there for a life sentence, they're never going out again. 
what happens is that a lot of the outside world just fades into the background. People start to forget that they're actually there. They're criminals, and so as a criminal, they probably don't have that many people who are going to you know visit them mm. on a on a on a weekly basis for the rest of their life. Mm. Um, and as the world fades into the background. All of those distractions disappear. There's really no, you know, for a lifer, you don't have them continuing to operate as much, you know, within the criminal network system mm-hmm. um, because they're never ever going to be on the outside to continue to continue uh, criminal activity. And, of course, you don't have a lot of the distractions that, uh, you know, you and I have. One of the things they particularly mentioned was screens. Mm. You know they're not they're not checking their their phone all the time because they don't have a phone. Mm. Um, and you know when you think about how distracted we are, Gary, on a constant basis. Yeah, yeah, we we actually have uh, this is making a huge impact on our on our lives. The screens, the technology, the constant ability to be in touch means that to be alone and uh, and quiet is something that we struggle with in the environment that we're actually dealing with. One of the other things that I thought was very interesting about this story is that um, not only are they free from distractions or freer from distractions, but they don't have any other choice. They don't have any choice about avoiding other people. Mm. You know, so on the outside, if there's someone we don't like, we just avoid them. We don't hang around with them. We just don't spend time with them. Uh, whereas on the inside, you don't get to choose who your cellmate is or the guy in the cell next door mm. or the guy in the cell block you know, with you. You are forced to interact with all kinds of people. And what that then does is the survival mechanism forces you to interact with these people and actually be unselfish. Hmm. I wonder, Lyle, if this isn't the reason that the Christian scriptures often come to us and say, hey, uh, come aside, rest a while. Christ was constantly being found going into the wilderness, into the solitary place in order just to be alone. I wonder if there's some sort of link here between uh, between what Christ was actually doing and what's actually happening in an unnatural fashion to to these individuals. Yeah, I was going to say, do you think we should all uh, you know just get ourselves a life sentence there, Gary? Well, I'm tempted. Lock me inside and lock the world on the outside, and life will be more simple. Uh, we live in a great country, you know. Australia is probably one of the best we countries do. in the world as far as yeah. uh, being able to get away from distractions. Because what country has as much wilderness area as we've got? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, look, getting in, getting into that wilderness environment actually changes you. It changes yeah. your thinking processes. It clears your mind in a way that. I find nothing else does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, fantastic. Yeah. yeah, so this is what's happening. And as a result of that, um, you know, it, it adds some new thought to that passage, you know, in the Bible where Jesus says, you know, I was in prison mm. and you visited me. It does. Yeah. I read that passage and I think to myself, you know what? In the first century, they didn't have the big prisons that we have today. Mm. They just didn't exist. Prisons were small. I might have a couple of cells in them, and that was about it. Why did Jesus actually single out people that were in prison and the need to visit people that were in prison? And I believe it's because Jesus, is looking down through the stream of history, saw that you know, uh, particularly at the end of time, this was actually going to become a big thing mm. Um, mm. in his day. That was like you know maybe one or two people in Jerusalem, and you're more likely to get executed than uh, get locked up. 
Whereas in our day and age, there's a whole demographic of people here that are really, really open to spiritual mm. things. Um, and what they find is that amongst a lot of these guys, there's a very deep desire to understand their own brokenness. Yeah, yeah. And to be able to figure out what is going wrong and, okay, how do I actually change that? And how do I become a new person, which leads them to being very, very open spiritually. Anyway, I'm going to move on to the show. This is uh, Wendell Kingborough. We will say in that day. You will see there a highway from God's own hand That will lead back the lost to the promised land And the voice of the Savior will call us friends Say and join in the song of the Lord We will call back our armies returned from war And we'll make into plowshares our useless swords Very soon to forget what they once were for When we join in the song of the Lord We will say in that day to the Lord give thanks We will not be afraid For He comes to save We will shout, we will call every tribe and race Come and join in the song of the Lord You will see there a banquet for sinners spread Where we'll sit with the Lord at the table's head And our shepherd himself is our wine and bread And we'll join in the song of the Lord We will say in that day Welcome back, guys. Uh, that was Wendell Kingborough with We Will Say In That Day. That comes from Isaiah 12. Great passage of scripture right there. And uh, yes, you're listening to Faith FM. We're about to have another clue for our quiz. Nobody's got the first clue yet, so we're going to go to the second clue. So get ready to give us a call, 1-800-324-843. Um, and you can call through to win that wonderful hardcover New King James Bible with Mark Finley Bible Reading Plan. Uh, Harmony of the Gospels and Bible study helps 
right there in that Bible. Anyway, uh, let's go to the next clue for our quiz. Yeah, thanks so much a lot for that, Lyle. Can I say that Bible that you're uh, you're offering, that is a real beauty. The the Bible study helps in it are probably some of the best that I know. They are they are really fantastic. But look, let's come to our, our question. We're looking for what book am I reading? Let's recall our first uh, our first question. Uh, there was that uh, that quote. Um, but is the spirit it is the spirit in a man, the breath of the Almighty that gives him understanding. And we're asking, where is that book? What book is that found in? There's a second clue this time. The name Satan is found 15 times in this book, almost double of that found in any other book in the Bible. Lyle, does that help you out at all? Where is that book? Nope. Nope. Still can't. Oh, and the producer's got the answer. She knows the answer to this one. Oh, no. Now I'm super embarrassed. Okay, so if you know the answer, you can give us a call right now for double prizes, 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-FAITH-FM. Or you can text us on 0491-064-669. Where is Satan mentioned more, twice as many times as any other place in the Bible? Hmm. This is a very old book of the Bible. Yes. Cogitate. I, I do like that. Uh, I do like that opening. That that verse in the first clue, though. You know, the spirit and the mm, interest. Oh, oh no! Somebody's calling through right now. I'm going to see the phones are ringing. Somebody's going to beat me to the answer. This is going to be very sad. And we're going to be, going to be giving two prizes away. Maybe, maybe. All right. So we need to move on with our show while our producer answers the uh, the call out there and uh, find out whether somebody has snapped it up. Okay. What's happening around the world? Brexit. Brexit. UK elections. What? This is the part of our show, Gary, where we talk about the heavier subjects. What an amazing outcome. <laughs> did, you, did you call it? Did you expect that? I don't think anybody was expecting the extent of the, uh, of no. the, of the result. And this, is, this seems to be the thing in our world today, doesn't it? I mean, you look at uh, when Trump came to power, when Scott Morrison won here in Australia, and now Boris Johnson. It's like, yeah, he probably scraped through, but he's more than scraped through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a huge transition that seems to be occurring within the, uh, the British environment. Uh, when Brexit was originally voted, it was, very, it was a very close, uh, close vote, and yet this vote seems to be uh, far, far more um, uh, out there than that original vote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, and and of course, when the first the, the first vote was fifty two percent of uh, British people wanted out of the EU. Uh, now, what's interesting? I, I did find this particularly interesting in the UK. Evangelicals actually favoured staying in the European Union by fifty one percent. Was that right? So close to the public. But so evangelicals, yeah, basically very, very close to the public. Now, if you compare that with the United States, you often find that uh, you know your classic white evangelical mm. uh, has you know quite different political views to the mainstream. Well, unless they are the mainstream, because often white evangelicals are the mainstream, yeah. or you know the majority anyway, if not the mainstream. Uh, but they have they, they they tend to be a block. Mm-hmm. Whereas what you're seeing in Britain is that they're not a block. They're basically mirroring, close to mirroring the general population, Mm. which has been interesting to observe how uh, evangelical Christianity has actually dealt with that because you've got some of your large evangelical organizations, you know, whereas if you compare it with the United States model, you'll have your uh, your big organizations. They're going to support one party or the other. Mm Mm-hmm. 
uh, and they like to they like to say that they control who who gets into power and who doesn't, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know all that kind of thing. Whereas in the UK, your big organisations have been calling people to prayer, mm. because what they say is that you know we're divided over this. Half of us are one way, half of us are the other. So how do we deal with it? Well, we can unite in prayer to pray that you know God's will mm. be done. Mm. Um, whether God's will is done or not, I don't know the answer to that question. Um, but God knows the answer to that question, but it certainly doesn't hurt for people to be praying about it. Mm, very definitely. And particularly these you know, these big political questions, I think that often as Christians we sit back and say, well, God has no interest in the politics of our world. Why should we take it to God in prayer? And yet the Bible says that we should be praying for our political leaders, whether they are Christian people or not. In fact, in fact, when Peter said you know, we should be praying for our political leaders, they, he, there were no Christian political leaders. Mm, mm, yeah. And so he was asking for prayer for uh, you know, pagan leaders, uh, which is what they had in the Roman Empire in those days. Um, that doesn't mean that there has not been some some fairly strong uh, views expressed by um, prominent evangelicals, and of course you've got you kind of got the two sides to it, the two sides of the equation. You've got those who see this as a humanitarian issue, um, where we need to be providing for the less fortunate people in our world, and the immigrants are coming from less fortunate countries, and we're a wealthy country. And so we can do things to help. So that's one side of the equation. The other side of the equation is that uh, tends to be a, just looking at the British reactions that I've seen tend to be more spiritual in nature. Um, so you've got some evangelical leaders over there who have come out with a view that uh, you know they need to be set free from the external spiritual control of the European Union. Mm. I'm not quite sure how the European Union is exerting spiritual control, but I'm sure that it is because, you know, even though we have secular government and, you know, I 100% support secular government and separation of church and state, there's always going to be spiritual elements that come in. We have that here in Australia because we have a Christian prime minister. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, um, it's just how can you not bring your worldview into what you do? And that issue of worldview of Lyle is actually very, very important because increasingly what uh, what what is occurring is that the worldview of a particular uh, person does impact the decisions that they are making. That's and, right. Uh, and, you can't know, not. It can't. You can't miss it. You know, whether a person is is totally secular, whether they are uh, a Christian, whether they whatever worldview they have will be impacted by uh, will impact the decisions that they take. Yeah, absolutely. So you've got that aspect, and then, of course, you've got those, um, say, for instance, uh, Tony Pierce, who looks at it from a prophetic perspective. And I was, I was keen when I saw that someone was going to take a prophetic perspective on this because I love prophecy. Mm. Uh, he sees the EU as being the centre of the area of the world in which Antichrist will arise, and as a result of that, Britain needs to separate itself from the EU so that it can separate itself from the Antichrist and the New World Order. Mm. It's interesting how so many of our world leaders, uh, the decisions that they are taking have uh, have uh, religious overtones to them. I, I think of uh, uh, of Donald Trump with his um, uh, accepting of Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's got prophetic overtones it does. To, uh, no to, to the decisions that he's taking. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. 
And it would be a very brave American prime minister who would break an alliance, you know, the alliance with Israel, mm. because it has so much support from the, you know, the, the the Americans who, you know, your evangelical Americans who are on the ground who see, you know, the rise of Israel as a fulfillment of prophecy, mm. and that if you are going against Israel in any way, shape, or form, say the slightest word against Israel, yeah. and you are, uh, you know, you're doing the work of Satan, you know, yeah. and, and and this kind of thing. And, and this is the thing I think that a lot of our secular commentators don't actually recognise is uh, the uh, the prophetic overtones there are in so many of the, the decisions that are actually being taken by world leaders. Indeed. Okay, and then, of course, you have the sculpture. This is it, We'll get, take it to the next level now. The sculpture that is outside the Winston Churchill building uh, in Strasbourg, France, which is a uh, part center of the um, uh, major EU uh, center right there, which has a woman riding a beast, and of course, anyone who studies the Bible and they see no. a sculpture like that, yeah. they're like, "Aha, we have found the Antichrist." Well, no, actually, you haven't. Um, the Bible does say that the Antichrist will come from Western Europe. Uh, there's no question about that. But that's probably a Bible study for another day. But it's going to be very, very interesting to watch events unfolding in Great Britain over the uh, next, I guess, six months to a year. How long is it going to take them for, the, for it to, uh, to pull off this whole uh, Brexit deal? Anyway, this is Chris Christopherson, Lord Helping Me, Jesus. Mm-hmm. And the volume... Deserve even one of the pleasures I've known. Tell me, Lord, what did I ever do that was worth loving you or the kindness you've shown? Lord, help me, Jesus, I've wasted it, so help me, Jesus, I know what I am. But now that I know that I needed you, so help me, Jesus, my soul's in Try to repay all I've taken from you. Maybe, Lord, I can show someone else what I've been through myself on my way back to you. Lord, Wasted it, so help me, Jesus. I know what I am, but now that I know that I've needed you, so help me, 
That was Chris Christopherson with Lord Help Me Jesus. You're listening to Faith FM and the quiz has been won. Multiple people calling. Nick from Grafton, congratulations. You were the first person to get through with the correct answer. The phone lines were running hot there for a moment. Um, and the correct answer to that quiz, what was the correct answer to that quiz there, Gary? I haven't even got it yet. So, um, Oh, the correct answer to that, uh, that quiz, I am Job. Oh, hang on a moment. Uh, let me turn to the right. Uh, <laughs> the, hang on a moment. Um, I am Job. There you go. You were on the right quiz. I was on the right quiz. The right Sorry quiz. about that. Ah, <laughs> uh, sure. So I should have known that one. The, here's my excuse. Here's my excuse, Gary. They mm-hmm. use a modern translation. I'm used to using a old translation. I have, I have this old KJV that... Um, just you know, that's my that's my. Well, I've actually got a new King James version as well. I actually really appreciate the the style of language in the new King James version. Yeah, so I, I've always read it that way. So I I like it. I'm yeah. I'm a bit old school too. Absolutely. We um we we have the uh, the the NLT and the KJV here on Faith FM just to uh, give two different perspectives. Anyway, uh, what, what are we doing? We we are uh, oh. We need to have another. We need to have. We need to start another quiz. Another. Have, one. You, got, have you got another one on the other side of that uh, card? I think we do have another one. What have you got there for us? Okay. Uh, what book am I? This is another book of the Bible. This is a quote. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you. What book am I? Okay, so we're starting the next one right now. If you know the answer to that one, maybe you called through for the last one and you didn't get a prize. Here is your chance to call again. And see if you can answer this one correctly, and uh, we'll send out that same prize. I sent, that's that, and that is a wonderful prize. I just can't emphasize that enough. That's a that's a beautiful uh, copy of the of the scriptures. And there are still two prizes available because I don't know the answer to this one. I'm doing terrible this morning. I don't know what's going on, but um, I'm, I'm just thinking, Gary, I might not have you back on the show here anymore. You know, you're just throwing out all these hard, <laughs> picking out all the hard ones for me. Pure chance, pure chance. <laughs> uh, for those of you who must might be wondering, why is uh, Gary joining us on the show this morning? Where is Lawson? Uh, the reason is that Gary is actually going to be starting a drive show in South Australia in the new year. We are super excited about it. It will be happening right here on Faith FM. And you enjoy the breakfast show while you're going to work. You'll be able to enjoy Gary on the drive show while you're coming home. And, um, and of course, Gary's here just sort of checking out how we do things. And we just dumped him in the deep end. No, he, he, I tell he, you what, I wasn't expecting to be on air today. <laughs> he didn't realize how far we were going to dump him in the deep end. But anyway, 
we're having good fun here. Um, Gary, I thought we might spend uh, our interview time just talking about, just getting to know you a little bit mm-hmm. um, as a future presenter here on Faith FM. And I can't believe it, those phones are ringing hot out there again. We might, we might break a record. I think our record here was four quizzes in one day. Let's see if we can break that today. You guys all need to be on your toes. But, uh, yeah, Gary, tell me about yourself. Whereabouts, what part of the world do you come from? Yeah, well, originally I was a Sydney boy. I, I grew up in Sydney. The first 18 years of my life were, uh, uh, I was based in the big city of, uh, of Sydney. And since then I, uh, I did ministerial training. And since then I have moved away uh, around all over the place. I've, uh, I've lived in, uh, in Queensland, uh, both in, in Brisbane and in, in far north Queensland up in Townsville. Love those, uh, those years that I spent in, uh, uh, in Northern Australia and Townsville. It's a beautiful, city uh, up there and then I came back uh, lived in Newcastle for uh, uh, for a number of years, in fact, I uh, this uh, this office we're broadcasting from. I actually worked in this uh, in this office here for uh, uh, for, for three years. So uh, that was uh, they were really good uh, good years. From there, uh, it was New Zealand, uh, and I'm not sure what I did wrong. Uh, but, uh, uh, <laughs> you got so, sent to New Zealand. I got sent to New Zealand. New Zealand. Someone yeah. was some would say you got sent to the promised land, but they would be wrong. The promised land. Jake, just for the record, in case anybody's wondering, I need to clear. I, I clear this up every now and then on Faith FM because some people get it wrong. Um, is actually Tasmania. Tasmania. Yes, that's, that's Tasmania. See, that's where I come from. Oh. That, that, that's the promised land. That's just, a- just in case you're wondering. I do love that part of the world. I, I have to admit, I do like it down there. It's one place I haven't lived, however. Oh, okay. um, and, uh, and, of course, uh, Adelaide is where I've lived for the last uh, 20 years yeah. and uh, love that uh, That's the big city of, uh, of Adelaide. Uh, I, I know it's depreciated by those from Sydney and Melbourne, but, uh, hey, I, I love it. No, um, uh, there being no levies on, uh, on cars on, uh, as far as um, uh, the freeways are concerned being able to drive free on freeways is a wonderful <laughs> feeling lyle yes well when i was living in sydney it used to i used to spend uh oh for yeah i used to spend a hundred dollars a week minimum yeah, on, uh, yeah. on tolls yeah yeah well we've yeah. had no tolls down there ever and uh the government brings it in i think will be voted out at the next election so uh love uh, i love south australia and no tolls uh, you've just about got me sold on on uh, adelaide now i'm sort of thinking oh wow maybe um but anyway we don't have them here in newcastle either so i've kind of escaped those by coming up here yeah yeah but i'm an Oz, uh, aussie boy from from way back i grew up on the beaches of sydney and, uh, eastern uh, suburbs uh well, Parramatta actually, okay. but but every weekend was spent uh, out on the on the fantastic Sydney beaches. Uh, uh, love Manly Manly Beach there, and uh, uh, yeah, I suppose I'm still still dealing with the sun cancers that I managed to pick <laughs> up from uh, from those years. Yeah. So you a surfer or a, or a swimmer or a yeah sunbaker or a socialiser on the beach? Uh, well, a bit of socialiser, but mainly the body surfing and uh, certainly. L- Really miss the Sydney beaches. Uh, it's one yeah. thing that Adelaide doesn't have, and uh, I really love that uh, the part of the Australian culture. Sydney has a world class harbour and coastline. Once you've travelled the does. world a bit, you suddenly yeah. realise yeah. for a big city, where else do you find a harbour and coastline that you know? Maybe Rio eh, probably comes, you know, is up there definitely, but not many. You yeah. know, most yeah. most harbours are a muddy river. That's 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 a, what you build a harbour around. You find a muddy river. You like, oh, here's a great harbour. It's when you travel that you come back to Oz and you turn around and say, hey, what <laughs> an incredible, what an incredibly blessed country we yeah, live in. That's for sure. That's for sure. Uh, now, um, Gary, as growing up as a young person, did you come from a Christian family? Uh, 
Yeah, yes and no. Um, my uh, uh, my mother was uh, was a very very dedicated uh, Christian uh, Christian lady. She was a she was a lady who who came from a, a Methodist uh, background. Uh, and for, uh, for for me, probably today, the reason that I'm probably uh, a Christian myself is because of the prayers of my mum. Wow, uh, that's that. That's probably the reality. Uh, the reality of it, because there were certainly times there when uh, I know that uh, I was ready to rebel against the uh, against the uh, the whole Christian ethos. But it's when uh, when when you've got a mother that's actually praying for you mm. that that you know it's it's very difficult to actually uh, kick against a mother who is praying and uh, uh, and a uh, a church that um, that loves you deeply. That's a really powerful testimony. I think there'll be a lot of mothers out there that would be really encouraged by that, particularly mothers that have prayed for years and decades yeah, for their yeah, children. There yeah. is there is something special and powerful about a mother's prayers. Oh, there is. There, there is. And that's the thing that I think we overlook. There are forces that, uh, that, that come into play when we're praying for somebody else that, um, that aren't in play if we're not praying. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Now, what about your dad? Yeah, Dad. Dad actually uh, accepted Christ before his death. He died at uh, age of uh, eighty, just a day short of his eighty-eighth uh, birthday. And uh, Dad uh, did actually accept Christ in those last years beforehand. Uh, but uh, but for many many years, um, I think my parents' marriage. Both Mum and Dad have now passed away, so I can speak speak freely about them. But myself and my my brother actually uh, occasionally. Occasionally joke that we come from Australia's most dysfunctional family. Now I know there are many out there that could actually, <laughs> you know, dispute that. Um, but that's one of the uh, one of the challenges that uh, we do face in our society. And, and many young people do grow up with uh, uh, in families that uh, are significantly dysfunctional. It's kind of the norm, I think. It is. It is. It, it is. is. Yeah. 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 Now your parents stayed together through this process. Uh, yes, they did. Um, uh, well, yes, they did. For, no, they for, didn't. For better or for worse? <laughs> well, yes, they did, but no, they didn't. Uh, Mum and Dad um, separated uh, uh, numerous times, uh, and and yet each time they seemed to come. In the end, they did separate in their late in their their eighties, um, and. Uh, uh, and right to the time of their their death, that was never never reconciled, uh, which was a really sad story, certainly for everybody in our uh, in our family. Uh, but to me, the thing that I, I appreciated uh, particularly were my was my mother's emphasis on uh, on prayer and my mother's willingness to pray for her uh, her boys and uh, her her willingness to support and uh, and to to show me and to demonstrate for me uh, in a very practical manner uh, that Christianity was an incredibly viable option. Mm, that's that's powerful. Um, and I think that your testimony is something that uh, can be very encouraging, incredibly encouraging for so many people right now because, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult to come from a dysfunctional family and to succeed. Yes, yes. And look at what God has done through you 
um, you know, coming from that background, as, as you say, Australia's most dysfunctional family, and succeeding, and God being able to use you to do the things that uh, that He's done through you. Wow! Praise God. Well, well, to me, that's the thing that I, I actually challenge because throughout my ministry, I've had many opportunities to sit down with people who are who are struggling in in their relationships, and to me, to be able to say to them and to share and to be able to uh, to present an option that God, the the power of God, can actually break through dysfunctionality uh, to me it's an incredibly powerful powerful story it's an option that is often not considered by many um, uh, conventional uh, counselors let me ask you this question as a young person growing up in a home like that I mean it's it's obviously a disaster it's a mess um, your, your, your mother you know as a young person is 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 devout your father as a young person is not you're going to have the world pulling you a million different directions. Um, you've got different role models right there in the home. In that whole environment, how do you end up coming to give your life to Jesus Christ? Uh, to me, I think that's where my my mum's connection to a church was actually so important. Because in being connected to a church, I actually saw people who trusted me, who believed in me, and said, you're able to do it. And you're able to work, you know, you're able to work your way through this, uh, this difficulty. I saw better options where I, uh, uh, in the church that I was involved in. I, at the time I was involved in a, it was only a little church in the western suburbs of Sydney. For those of you who know Sydney, it's between Parramatta and Blacktown. Uh, just a very small church. About 70 people attended that church. In those days, there were probably no more than 12 or, or 15 young people at that uh, uh, at that church. But the thing I appreciated about it was that uh, the, uh, the the adults in that church, they knew the names of every single uh, young person in the church. Every week, you'd be welcomed by them into church Every uh, every um, every week, they would, uh, would would celebrate life's milestones with you. There was uh, stability in the church environment that I wasn't finding at home, and that's that's something that I think you know we see coming through over and over and over again. And of course, Darren Pratt often comes in here and and talks about the importance of you know intergenerational ministry and yeah. how. You know, where you get young people that have succeeded spiritually and have been a part of a church and stay a part of a church, they are young people who have been shown trust and given opportunities within their church to actually grow and to develop spiritually and to do great things for God. And mm. you're obviously a part of a church like that. Mm. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And at some particular point, just very quickly, we've got one minute left, um, you, got, you were called to ministry. So you come from this just ridiculously dysfunctional background but you do have a certain level of stability in your local church, and then you get a call to ministry. How does that happen? That's a, that is a really interesting story on its uh, on its own. Uh, I, I originally uh, went to to start studying at uh, I went to Avondale, Avondale College, and in those days I was studying uh, to to become a teacher. Uh, 
the uh, uh, the teaching role was something that I I felt the Lord had gifted me, and I was happy to do that. But then I went and spent twelve months in volunteer ministry, and you know it was in those twelve months of volunteer ministry that uh, to me I saw different aspects. I started to see churches that were very similar to my own church, the church that I had come from, and I saw the changes that those churches were able to make in the lives of so many young people. In those days, my my passion was particularly for young people, and. And so I came back um, from uh, from that twelve month that I that I took off and uh, changed my course and uh, uh, prayed deeply about it. And I felt called. I felt that the Lord wanted me to move uh, into into an area where I could impact the spiritual life of individuals as opposed to just their uh, their their mental and their um, their their academic lives. That's fantastic, uh, Gary Hodgkin. Thank you so much for sharing with us here on Faith FM this morning. We are out of time. We're going to move on with uh, Keith and Kristen Getty. Oh, for a closer walk with God.
survive in the bush? Are you in touch with the God of nature? Are you learning the skills you need for a successful life? Grafton Pathfinder Club can help. With a Christian foundation, our pathfinders enjoy camping out in the most amazing locations. Paddle a canoe, hike up a mountain, abseil down a cliff, tie knots and lashings, follow a map to the treasure, use your survival skills in the bush, earn some honours from a large list of pursuits, Make friends that you'll keep for a lifetime. Our hall meetings in South Grafton are on the first Saturday of each month from 2pm to 4pm. We're inviting young children aged between 10 and 16 to join us on our next adventure. Send us an email now at graftonpathfinders at gmail.com or find us on Facebook under Grafton Pathfinder Club. We're empowering youth for a resilient future. I'm Pastor Brendan from Harvey Seventh-day Adventist Church, and I'd like to personally invite you to worship God with us each Sabbath. We start off with Bible study groups at 9.30am, then hold our community worship service at 11am. We also organise groups that meet during the week to connect, eat, and study the Bible together. So if you're looking to be part of an encouraging Christian community, come and join us. For more information, you can call me on 422 896 553 that's 0422-896-553. Hey, I'm Julia from Warrigal Seventh-day Adventist Youth. We meet every Saturday morning at 10am for an open discussion about Bible topics concerning our youth today. We're open to everyone wanting to join us and we'd love to see you there. You're listening to Faith FM. Positively Different Radio.
Welcome back, everybody. That was uh, Listener's Choice Christmas Magic here on Faith. God rest you, merry gentlemen. Uh, right here on Faith FM.